All right, guys, welcome back in to the Southeast News Podcast. It is Monday, December the 11th, 2017, and it has been a little while since I've done one of these podcasts, but as you all know, I have been busy over at southeasttubes.com with a lot of written stuff. Also have the new radio show in Nashville, Forever March. That is every weekend. Right now it is on Sundays at 11, where we go an hour, but starting in January, we will be going to two hours on Saturdays at 10. Uh, so be sure to continue to follow that. I always post the links on Twitter at the Blake Level or over at southeasthoops.com. I'll post the embeds for the podcast in there where you can listen to them. But if you have a chance to listen live, that's where you get the full experience. You can listen online. You can watch via Periscope, send in your comments that way. We have had a ton of great feedback thus far uh, because we are trying to make this show all about college basketball, and there are not enough of those out there right now and certainly we talk a lot about SEC basketball um, because it's it's a good time to do that as you guys know based on where the league's at right now and that'll bring us to uh, today's weekend rewind which if you look back at this weekend it was a huge Saturday you had a ton of games around the league and uh, I think we learned some things about some of these teams uh, and it was overall obviously a very good weekend I think for the SEC um, and if you, you look at it as a whole, to me, the team that had the best weekend or had the best week period probably uh, was Arkansas because Arkansas lost that game at Houston by 26 points, made us scratch our head a little bit, wondering what happened. But they bounced back where they blew out Colorado State last blew out Colorado State on Tuesday. They come back, blow out Minnesota, who's the number 14 team in the country on Saturday, and I think it just kind of shows that when Arkansas is at home, they are going to be very tough to beat. You may have some of those losses this year that are kind of head-scratchers on the road, but I just think this team is so talented, and we've seen Daniel Gafford kind of find his way into the mix a lot earlier than I expected him to. I thought maybe he'd start to be a real big factor once we got into SEC play, but he has matched so well uh, with all these these seniors and all the returning guys, and it's just kind of all blended together to put a really nice uh, package there right now for, for Mike Anderson because he has a team that has a lot of intangibles. They're very athletic. We know that they're going to pressure and turn people over, and they've been able to do that a lot already. Um, and with Daryl Macon and Jalen Barford leading the way, it's just a team that has a lot of necessary pieces to make a deep run in the NCAA tournament, um, and we're seeing them really kind of rise to the occasion thus far. Uh, and I just think that, you know, if you look around at the SEC, they had one of the better weeks of anyone, and that's why I have them ranked in my top 25 this week. I have a number 25 just because I think that they are they are starting to show uh, that th- they have what it takes, and I think we're going to continue to see that from Arkansas. They have a few games here left in the non-conference schedule before they open up against Tennessee in SEC play. And there's a good chance we see Arkansas at 10-2 probably going into SEC play. So, speaking of Tennessee, I have the Vols at number 17 this week uh, in my top 25. And, you know, Tennessee had another one of those situations where they go on, they went on the road last weekend, won at Georgia Tech. They come back. They beat a solid Lipscomb squad on Saturday. And, again, with Tennessee, there's nothing flashy. This team, you know, they don't go out and there's nothing spectacular 
but they just win, and they have a toughness to them. And it's something I talked about last year with Tennessee. Even when they kind of, you know, they were younger last year, obviously. Um, they were a team that surprised a lot of people, I think, early on. We remember how well they played uh, in that game at North Carolina, and they just kind of kept it going. They had a lot of close losses. Um, but, you know, this is, again, a team that just has has a toughness to it. They have the intangibles. We talked about that with Arkansas. Tennessee just has the intangibles. They have a lot going for them. They're a quiet but confident type of group, and that's a team that can go out and beat anybody, and we've already seen that. They beat Purdue, which I think Purdue's a top-10 team when you look at their schedule and who they've beaten. Um, you know, they, they got that win over Purdue, and then they only lost to Villanova by nine points, and, and the Vols were up big at halftime. They had a chance to win that game, so... I, Tennessee is still probably going to be a bit undervalued by some people just because, like I said, there's nothing flashy, but you don't have to be flashy to be good. They have a lot of really good pieces on that roster, and with Grant Williams leading the way, we know about all their good guard play, which we talked about all off season, and then what they're getting from Admiral Schofield. It's just they have the necessary sort of makeup, and you have to give Rick Barnes a ton of credit for that. Because, you know, we can laugh about where they were picked in the preseason. And, hey, I even said it. You know, Tennessee was picked 13th by the preseason media. I picked them 12th. And I even said, I said, if there's going to be one of these picks that comes back and kind of looks and I look at it and I scratch my head about, it's going to be Tennessee because it just didn't feel like, you know, you looked at the roster and it was just one of those deals where, man, you didn't know where to place them. But, boy, this team has been really good here early on, and now they prepare for the huge game against North Carolina. We talked about what they did last year there, and now I just, you know, we see where both teams are at right now, and North Carolina maybe has been a little bit better than some people thought they'd be. They obviously had the blowout loss to Michigan State. We only scored 45 points, but, I, you know, this is a huge game, and it's one that you're definitely going to want to make sure you watch because – I just think you've got two teams right now that are riding high. And like we said, I mean, North Carolina's only loss is to Michigan State. Tennessee's only loss to Villanova. Those might be the two best teams in the country. So, you know, this is one of those deals where it's going to be in Knoxville. It's going to be rowdy. We've seen Tennessee win these games over the years against games like Kentucky. Uh, You know, when that place gets rocking, it, it can be a tough, tough atmosphere and Right now, you just look at that matchup, and I don't know. I just think with Tennessee, with all the confidence they have right now, uh, North Carolina is going to run into a tough situation because I don't know how you can can bet against the Vols right now because they are just – they are looking really good. And, again, huge credit to Rick Barnes because he has got them playing with a toughness and confidence that's going to kind of take them a long way. So – Elsewhere in the SEC, um, you know, there were some wins that that maybe don't stand out, but they were wins, and obviously any wins are good wins. South Carolina beat Coastal Carolina. Um, You had Mississippi State, which stayed undefeated. They blew out North Georgia, and and I've talked about Mississippi State. Some people think it's a knock. It's not, but you have to look at the schedule and realize that Mississippi State is undefeated. They're one of only, I think, six, seven teams now left in in college basketball that are undefeated. Um, but we still don't know a ton about Mississippi State yet uh, because their schedule ha- has been sort of designed in a way to where they can get these wins, and I've mentioned this several times now. 
It was scheduled this way because they just couldn't close games out last year. And now that they're finding ways to close games out, you kind of want to see how that translates once they get into tougher competition in SEC play. Now, they did beat a team that I think, you know, Jacksonville State I think is a pretty good team, and obviously it's not a household name, but Ray Harper's done a good job there. I think Jacksonville State's a team that has a chance to win the OVC, uh, make it back to the NCAA tournament for a second straight year. And so – Elsewhere, the schedule hasn't been much. Stephen F. Austin is a kind of an underrated team, I think, and you look at wins over teams like Dayton uh, and that. But now we're going to find out more about Mississippi State, and that's going to take place on Tuesday because they're at Cincinnati. And, you know, this will tell us everything we probably need to know about what this first eight games did for the Bulldogs. And I think that's a game that you have to watch because we're going to find out. I mean, Cincinnati is a team that's going to be angry after that loss to Florida. Um, So it's going to be a tough game, but I think this will at least give us a better idea of how Mississippi State can stack up against the rest of the competition in the SEC. Um, You know, other wins, Texas A&M blew out Prairie View A&M. No surprise there. I have the Aggies still at number six in my top 25. A lot of people have moved them down, I think, in seeing some of the individual top 25s. But the reason I don't think they should fall that far is because their loss was to Arizona. And while Arizona is unranked, you can't tell me that Arizona is not a top 20, top 15 type of teams right now uh, because the talent is there. This is one of the most talented teams in the country. Uh, we're talking about the Wildcats. We saw them come back and beat Alabama as well. They, they had two wins over the SEC this past week. Um, so I don't think Texas A&M deserves to fall just because they lost to Arizona, who, in my opinion, was the number one team in the country coming into the season. Now they have Raleigh Hawkins back. We see how DeAndre Ayton's playing. And so I still have Texas A&M at number six. I just think that they're that good. So Missouri also got a win. They beat Green Bay in what was a very wild game. Uh, they won that one 177. But you kind of looked at it. was 60-40 to 40 at halftime, and it was just kind of one of those very unique type of games. Um, but another good win for Missouri. They continue to roll right along. Ole Miss at Middle Tennessee State. Now, I think the score was a little bit misleading at times uh, because it kind of just got, you know, the score got pushed up in the final few minutes. The game was a lot closer than that. Um, But I would kind of, again, I would look at that and kind of pay more attention to the overall way the game played out more so than just the final score. Uh, And, you know, I I think Ole Miss is still kind of struggling with, with several things. And I think we all kind of thought that would happen in terms of still trying to find consistency on defense, but they're also having to figure out, you know, that front court situation. And I think that's something that's going to continue to work itself out. The guards can be really, really good, uh, but it's it's about that, that total package. And I think we're going to continue to see how Ole Miss is going to figure this out because now that they've lost these games, uh, they lost the two overtime games at home, South Dakota State and Virginia Tech. Uh, those were kind of, you know, those hurt because you had a chance to win both of those games, and now you had to come back and play against a red-hot MTSU team, uh, and that just wasn't a good situation. So LSU got a win on Sunday. Um, You know, Duop Reith scores a career high, and, you know, LSU is still, if you had to ask me today, is LSU the worst team in the SEC? No, they're not. And I think a lot of people thought that would be the case. And that was the safe place to put them coming into the season because we didn't know exactly how the adjustments were going to go um, in terms of just, you know, how are they going to adjust? And I think that was sort of the deal 
there where we didn't know what the defense would look like with Will Wade there. We didn't know how they were going to progress offensively, but we've seen that, and you see their, the way they put up points. Um, there's still work to be done on the defensive end of the floor, but I think LSU with as good as Tremont Waters has been and the rest of that roster, once they get Brandon Sampson back, uh, LSU's not a team I would want to play once we get into SEC play. I think they're going to be tough at home, uh, may struggle on the road some, but then again, you have a guy like Waters leading the way, a very confident young kid. Um, I don't think you're going to see LSU back down from anyone, which it seems like we may have saw that in recent years. That's not going to happen. I think LSU's going to be up for the challenge. Uh, it's just a matter of seeing how far that defense can get them along. Um, you know, an, another sort of takeaway from the weekend, I thought Kentucky looked really good against Monmouth. Now, I don't think this Monmouth team is as good as maybe the recent ones have been, but here's the thing with Kentucky, and I know a lot of people keep looking at Kentucky. I have them ranked number nine this week. Um, and I know a lot of people keep looking at Kentucky and say, well, they haven't been that impressive against the competition that they've played. Um, well, and that's an understandable point. Uh, but they've won every single game they played except for Kansas, which they lost by four on a neutral court to Kansas, and that was, again, the very first week of the season. We know Kansas has lost to Washington and Arizona State now in back-to-back games, but I don't think you can knock Kentucky for, for winning these games. I mean, they are beating teams and they're 8-1, and, and you know, you can only kind of look at it and say that. Well, they've only lost to Kansas, and that's it. So, but with the Wildcats, and we're going to learn here, like we said earlier, with some of these teams that have big games this week, Kentucky has Virginia Tech, UCLA, Louisville coming up next. That's a big three-game stretch here, uh, and that is without question the best three-game stretch they've played all year long uh, in terms of just the quality of the competition. And with two of those are at home, Virginia Tech's at home, Louisville's at home, UCLA's on a neutral court. So that we'll kind of see, we'll see where Kentucky has progressed to. We'll see kind of, are they able to, to slow down a, a Virginia Tech team that can score at will on pretty much anyone? And, you know, this is a team that scored over 90 in a lot of games this year. And you talk about Louisville, still a very talented team. We know the situation there. David Padgett, I thought, has done a really good job uh, in taking over, like we said, in a tough situation. Um, and then UCLA. So, this is going to, we're going to find out about Kentucky. I still feel pretty confident that in terms of pure talent, this is still a top 10 team. Uh, now we start to see, are they able to pull out these close games against the higher level competition going forward before they get into SEC play? Uh, Auburn, let's talk about Auburn for a second. Auburn is now, you know, a team where I just couldn't figure this out. When we found out that Wiley and Purefoy weren't going to play until whenever, a lot of people just immediately said, well, I would move Auburn all the way to the bottom of the SEC. I'd put them 13th or 14th. I just, I never understood that because Auburn has depth. And and that's shown, I think, in recent weeks. Now, you look at the schedule, that's another one of those situations where maybe Auburn hasn't played the caliber of a schedule of, let's say, a Vanderbilt, of an Alabama, teams like that who've played really strong non-conference schedules thus far, Florida, whoever else. I'm sure I'm forgetting some of these. Texas A&M. Um... But they're winning games, and they beat a very solid UAB squad this weekend to move to 8-1. and Their only loss was that neutral court loss to Temple. But the Tigers have the talent, and they're getting better on defense. And a lot of people maybe that haven't watched these games don't understand that, but they are getting better on defense. And like we talked about with Kentucky, how an important stretch coming up. This is an important stretch for Auburn because they get the win over the solid UAB team, but now they play MTSU this weekend in Birmingham. MTSU is 5-0 and 
against SEC opponents the last three seasons. Obviously, they, they've beaten Vanderbilt Ole Miss here a couple of years in a row. Um, and then Auburn's got Murray State. They go on the road to play that game. That's a tough place to play, uh, Murray State, no doubt about it. And then they come back home to take on UConn. So a very important stretch for Auburn. But if you're someone who thinks that the Tigers are just one of the worst teams in the SEC now, I would probably rethink that stance because there's enough depth here. They beat UAB without Mustafa Heron on the floor. And so that's your three, probably your top three players in Wiley, Purifoy, Heron, not on the floor, and they still win the game. And so I just think going forward here with Auburn, I would be hesitant to look around and say, well, they don't have a chance. I think they have so much depth. All these guys that are playing well right now, Bryce Brown is scoring at a high level. Uh, Anthony McLemore, I think, has been the biggest surprise because we look at last year. He didn't get a ton of minutes just because there were so many good players in front of him. Um, and then what What Deshaun Murray has added, I talked about him all offseason. I thought he could be just a, a big impact player for this team, and he has been. Uh, the freshman guys are playing well, Chumo Kiki, Davion Mitchell. Uh, Auburn has depth, and I don't would not count out this team at this point, regardless of what happens the rest of the way with Wiley, Purifoy, and all that. Um, this is still a really talented team, and as long as they continue to get better on the defensive end of the floor – they're going to have a chance to win because they can score with anyone. So, Now, for a couple other teams that you look at on Saturday, I thought had important results. Florida obviously gets back on track with the win over Cincinnati. The Gators, just the, the complete 180 they had from what we saw in the PK-80 to what we saw this past week up until that Cincinnati win, uh, it really just made you kind of wonder what in the world happened. Um, and I, I just look at this team. That win over Cincinnati was huge because if you lose that game, uh, then I think, you know, this is a team that's kind of spiraling and you don't really know what's going to happen. But I think getting that win based on how poorly they played in those previous two games against Florida State and Loyola Chicago uh, was very important. And they did it by kind of grinding out a game where I think, you know, we talked about what's Florida's issue and I think it's obviously been, if you don't shoot well, how are you going to win games? And that's kind of what happened in those other those other two games that they lost this past week is, you know, it seemed like they, they got sort of out physical at times and they weren't shooting the ball well. Um, you know, the Gators shot 42.6% against Cincinnati, which is not a, you know, it's not a high percentage, um, but, you know, and they only hit six threes, but yet they found a way to win that game. And that was very important. Not just, like we said, not just in terms of um, from a an overall record standpoint or losing three in a row. You obviously don't put yourself in that situation, but just a confident standpoint uh, to get that win, to grind it out. Igor Kulichov uh, kind of got back on track scoring-wise. He had 21 points. Jalen Hudson had 17. Um, and, you know, to get that win with Kayvon Allen only took five shots, only scored two points. Uh, I just think that we're still maybe – not entirely sure what's going to happen going forward with Florida because it seems like now, uh, you know, maybe John Igbunu's back mid-January, late January. You don't really know yet. Uh, but th- this is sort of a situation where Florida talent-wise is still a top 20 type of team. I think I put them number 20 this week. I don't remember if I have 20 or 21, somewhere in there. But um, I, you look at the way they can shoot, and we, we see what they did against Gonzaga and Duke. And just being able to see how they played against those teams 
shows you what the sort of the you know the limit can be where they can get to uh but it was sort of the the bad taste in your mouth from seeing those two games against florida state and loyola chicago that kind of made you wonder well which florida are we going to see night in and night out and i think that's still a fair question but the cincinnati win was big and at least for now you know their overall resume is still looks fine and i think it's just a matter of building on the cincinnati win uh, going into this game against Clemson on Saturday. So, and then finally, to wrap it up here with just the talk of the weekend, and we'll talk about a lot more things throughout the week. Um, but I think Alabama went on the road, lost Arizona by six. I thought the Crimson Tide, and I just don't know how much, you know, Avery Johnson, I would think, has to be pretty pleased with that performance because what Alabama did was a couple things that they haven't been doing particularly well. They took care of the ball. They only turned it over eight times. They shot free throws incredibly well, much better than they have all season long. They went 24 of 28. So, you know, to shoot 86% from the line, um, that has been their biggest weakness. And to do both of those things on the road at a very tough environment, and still lose, you know, maybe that's a little surprising to some people, but I think that just shows Arizona is not an unranked team. Arizona is still one of the better teams in the country. Yes, they had that tough slide, uh, we all remember, at Atlantis, but this is still a very, very good team, and I don't think there's any shame in Alabama losing that, especially considering what Alabama did early in the week uh, where, you know, they came out, they beat a very tough Rhode Island squad, and it's still sort of a product of Alabama playing a very, very tough schedule. The UCF loss is probably one that that's still, if you get that win, things look a little bit different right now. Uh, but overall, I think you have to be pleased with where you are because Alabama's played a lot of good competition, and they're going to continue to play that. Uh, they'll play Mercer next week, and then they have Texas as well before they start off SEC play against Texas A&M. So, uh, you know, to, just seeing how Colin Sexton played against Arizona, I, I thought he was going to bring it, and sure enough, he brought it. And I just think with that guy, you're always going to have a chance to win games because he has that ability to sort of drive everything. And, you know, I just I think Alabama, there's nothing to sort of be disappointed about. Obviously, you want to win that game. This is not a moral victory type of deal. But I think playing that well – and having opportunities to win the game down the stretch, uh, that's where you want it to be. And so I think Alabama's in good good situation right now, especially seeing how the we, we saw the improvement uh, with turnovers, free throw shooting. If those things can stay consistent, uh, that's going to be what gets them going forward. And Dante Hall, I thought, was just continues to play well, and he was a big part of that game. I talked to Drew DeArmond uh, on on our Forever March show this past week. You can find that interview over at southeasttoops.com or on the Twitter. Um, and we talked about that, and Drew was talking a lot about, you know, just Dante Hall's progression and how important that's been to this Alabama team. It'll continue to be just a very important part of this team's success. If they want to get where they want to go, they need him to play well, and he has certainly done that thus far. And that'll do it for the Weekend Rewind. Just wanted to chew on some of the games from this weekend because this week there are obviously a lot of big games coming up. Um, and you know, it's kind of a slow week during the the middle of the week. Uh, but when we get to Saturday and Sunday, a ton of big games 
and we'll talk more of those as we get closer. So be sure you stay tuned to the Southeast Tubes podcast. Go over to iTunes, search for Southeast Tubes. Make sure you're subscribed to that. And then obviously the work on southeasttubes.com. That is where you can see all our stuff going up every day, game previews, recaps, analysis, uh, all sorts of stuff. So be sure to head over there, check all that out, and I will continue to try to get the podcast back on track. But if, if, again, I don't do this as often as maybe I used to, uh, you still have a ton of places where you can catch all the audio stuff for SEC Hoops, and that is definitely on Forever March, the radio show. So be sure you follow that each and every weekend. Uh, Call in, leave comments. We love it, and we'll continue to talk a lot of SEC on that show. Uh, So that's a great place to interact as well. And as always, you can follow me on Twitter at TheBlakeLevel. I always talk to you guys on there all the time. So all the SEC stuff you want to know, you got a lot of places to find out. So thanks as always for listening, and I will talk to you guys next time.